You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another post-game edition and a victory post-game edition of spits and suds i'm gavin spittle of 1053 the fan i'm joined by the great david castillo of d magazine stars have now scored three or more goals in 15 straight home games that's a franchise record they're seven one and one in their last nine games stand at 72 points that's third overall in the nhl 30 block shots tonight the moms were on hand david castillo is now on hand we can chalk this up as a big time quality win. David, your thoughts, bud. I would say that, um, I mean, it's like, I think it was, it was a quality win. Um, I, I think the thing that has eluded Dallas for, for so long is, is for me at least, and, and maybe I'm just like being like nitpicky or like hypercritical, but I think the biggest thing is like, I've always kind of felt like, well, um, listen, Dallas is a great team. Uh, we, we don't need to like, uh, Get, list any asterisks to that especially if Odinger keeps playing like he's been playing since this all-star break yep. um, but it's always kind of felt like a collection of like great performers kind of propping them up like I, I feel like I don't see as many real like quality team wins if you will from them or have seen them have seen that throughout the season and um and this really felt like uh and again that's a nitpick right I mean like that you could say that about a lot of teams even teams that are you know, pretty good. Uh, like Vancouver, I think is a good example of like really propped up by individuals rather than real like sort of excellent systems at play and cohesively working against the opponent effectively. But um, I, yeah, I was I thought I was really impressed, especially because Carolina was really kind of the perfect foil for them on paper, right? Carolina, you think of as the quintessential kind of systems teams, um, super well structured, well coached, and and it just seemed Dallas just looked like the better team. Shot attempts wise, yeah, it was a little lopsided, but you know, kind of felt really driven by that second period. And yeah, this just a quality win. I mean, granted, Carolina is kind of not quite what they've been in recent years, but I, listen, like, uh, see, there I am adding asterisks to that. Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw this out. I was going to throw it out later, David. I think if they acquire a goalie at the trade deadline, I think Carolina that's a team that could find themselves in the Eastern conference finals. You know, possibly, I think, you know, Corey Schneider has done such great work um, as a hurricanes fan, but also as the sort of um, tracker uh, nerd or not that people kind of know him for, um, which is that like, yes, like they're, that's absolutely going to like help them in a big way. But um, you know, there's just like, I feel like they're a team that, they need to be able to shoot well and they have a lot of gifted offensive players, but yes, um, they're still kind of missing that, just that star power 
among their forwards. Svechnikov kind of borders on that, but you know, I wouldn't call him like a full-fledged star just yet. And so, yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like that's their biggest hang-up. I mean, goaltending, yes. Um, but, um, yeah, Carolina. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder, hot take alert, if Brindamore, his system is a little too inflexible. That's a good point. You know, I mean, I think if he became a free agent, I think uh, a lot of teams would, you know, similar to Paul Maurice, um, would certainly inquire about his services. Um, that team puts a lot of shots on net and they come at you hard and deep on the forecheck. And um, yeah, it's it really is. It's an interesting team. And the reason I said it was a quality win also is because and granted, they've played a lot of games at home, um, but they have they're on a roll they they were out of the playoff picture at one point and they have fought their way back all the way to you know just about five or six points behind the new york rangers in the metro so um I, you know i think they're playing good hockey as of late i just think that's been a goaltender rotation due to injury so um you know if they could get that straightened away let's see what pieces they pick up at the deadline but you know we don't want to over talk about the carolina hurricanes um this is a uh, this is a stretch that the stars are going to be challenged on. I think Thursday's matchup, David, is a tough matchup. I think, you know, when you look at the games against Nashville this year, it has not been easy. The stars with those two goals and pulling out a win in Nashville and then, you know, kind of getting taken to uh, here at the AAC. And I think Nashville can certainly be a physical force. And that has been known to give the Stars some issues. And then Saturday, Edmonton. And then Monday and Tuesday, Boston and the New York Rangers. So this is a tough stretch, but a great way to uh, get it off. Let's talk about some of the uh, the parties involved. Obviously, I feel like we talk about this every game. Uh, Matt Duchesne, I just feel like the game has slowed down for him so much. It's absolutely amazing the calmness that... Um, the goal that he scored with the open net, the calmness there, as well as the calmness to stop and then do a little bit of a kind of a side back pass uh, to a streaking Nils Lundqvist. And boy, that's the kind of Nils Lundqvist we want to see to a one timer for Mason Marchment. That was such a pretty play. It was fantastic. It was fantastic to see Lundqvist get to cook a little. It was obviously it's always been fantastic to watch Duchesne um, to the point where you wonder what would his career look like if he had been put at wing sooner? Um, and uh, and I think that's kind of an interesting sort of little kind of thought experiment. Um, and also just always kind of a, a nice segue into me complaining about development at the NHL level. But no, like Duchesne is just, you really, there, there's really nothing I can add to the conversation when it comes to Matthew Shane, who's been fantastic. I, I think to me at this point, I, I think we're past like, Matt Duchesne is great because, yes, Matt Duchesne is great. I, like, I love his speed. Just one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah. And have been for quite a few years. Um, and we're, I think we're past that point. Now we're, like, at, hey, how, what do we do with him in the summer? Now, that's a summer discussion, but I'm just saying that's kind of what I, like, how I kind of view Matt Duchesne at this point. Like, damn, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, we know all the sort of numbers on kind of peak production and and what what should be done just from a purely analytical standpoint, but I mean, just watching him from like night to night, you're kind of like, man, do, do I want to sacrifice that? Um, yep. Especially given what he adds to that, to a line that really just, I think people thought was just garbage without any like Marchman and Sagan, nothing could save them. Enter Matt Duchesne. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. Mason Marchman's about to pass his career high in goals for a season that he had with uh, Florida. And we, you know, we have some games uh, certainly left. The other big story uh, announced today of Genny Dodonoff will be out for an extended period of time. And so that opens up a roster spot. And uh, I tweeted out earlier in the day, you know, hate to see an injury for a Dodonoff because I really like what he was saying and the way he was playing. I know he's been streaky at times, David, but I really appreciate it. He went down on the fourth line, grinded, and uh, knew his role, scored some goals down there, and talked after one of the games as far as he just wants to do what it takes to win. Um, and, you know, tough injury to go down. Uh, don't know how long it'll be till he gets back, but opportunity for Ty DeLandria to get in the lineup now. And uh, boy, did he make it pay off. No goals, but led the stars in shots, numerous opportunities, just a lot of energy on the ice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, like I have to apologize. I feel like, you know, I was going to say something about like DeLandria is going to be a punchline for his performance tonight. And I think most people recognize it was ironic, right? Even I kind of, you know, just compared him to Yanmark and, you know, being silly. And, but I think everyone can acknowledge, like, yes, we would rather see a player generate those kinds of chances uh, with, of course, stick tap to White Johnson to kind of help them generate a lot of those. But, like, we'd rather see a player generate those kind of chances than somebody that just <laughs> doesn't do that at all. Um, but my thing is, I wanted, I want everyone to take a moment and consider what this team is losing if they decide he should be a healthy scratch kind of every night, the stars are healthy. I mean, he was the third most used forward in even strength tonight, six shots on net, which was double the next closest player who was hints with three. And no, I don't think the is going to give you that kind of performance every night, but he is the kind of player that I think is, is sort of the best version of the quote unquote two way profile of many forwards. Plenty of forwards get labeled two way. Really. It just means they happen to play offensive position, but they're good defensively, but they don't score and they don't generate anything. Um, and, uh, and that's not directed at any stars players in particular. Um, but, and, and that's to me, the thing with the Landry and the reason why, like, I just want to see him in the lineup every night. Now, if he gets used as a trade ship, that's fine. But as long as he's here, I, I think to me, he earned it last year. And and I thought this was just like a great just kind of middle finger <laughs> to people that feel like, uh, yeah, you know, he sort of granted. Yes. If he takes another penalty next game, we'll probably be, you know, going back to like, yeah, the yeah, should be healthy scratch. But um, I thought it was a great performance. And I think it's like the kind of thing that I think we could see a little bit more consistency consistently if he was allowed to just be in the lineup every day. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I did appreciate your Yan Mark line. <laughs> <laughs> because when I would go to stars games and Yanmark would get like a breakout and everyone would stand up, I would just say, not going to score. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Hey, credit to Yanmark. He's still in the league. I mean, this yes. is a guy with a degenerative disease on his knees and, and sort of just, you know, push through it and play beyond and has like a quality NHL career. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if Delandria is, is Yanmark, I'm like, that's cool. The, the problem with Delandria is that, well, uh, granted, we don't have to talk about this now, but the problem with Delandria is that, Hey, we have some literal all-stars granted HL all-stars below him mm -hmm. and they need to be playing. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that, that sort of 
uh, people are hyped about and the reason why I think, uh, you know, he'll he'll likely be expendable, uh, whether, you know, at the trade deadline or beyond. But I get it. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be an interesting decision at the end of the season. Um, you know, at the same time, another interesting decision now that there is some cap space is, you know, do you do you call up Logan Stankoven or do you call up Maverick Bork? Um, which one do you call up or do you call up anyone or do you just sit and see how this Delandry experiment on the third line, you know, how, you know, how, how it's going? Because you don't want a Stankoven or a Bork to come up and be sitting. Obviously, you're going to play them. And I think if one of them comes up, they're not going to go back down. You know, I never thought I'd be able to use this reference, but you ever see the episode? Um, I can't remember which which uh, um, Anthony Bourdain show it was, but the episode where he goes to the Waffle House. Uh, I'm not sure if I saw that one. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> His buddy is giving him uh, options about kind of what kind of like pork chop, you know, he they should order. And Bourdain's just like, why not both? And that's kind of my thing. Why yeah. not both? Now, granted, we know why, right? There, there's a whole sort of, there's the cap situation, the cap logistics. Um, you know, part of why you don't bring somebody up is to accrue cap space, blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares about that. The question is, <laughs> is Dallas a better team with one of Stankoven Stan or Bork in the mix? And again, I, I've been on this train the whole day. Yes, absolutely. Like they are... I don't think people realize kind of a what they're doing historically for players given their age and and also kind of what what the AHL has become. This is a league that has that has really like gotten a lot better. Yes. Not just in terms of like player quality, but in terms of systems and the way it figures and integrates into development for the NHL and what they're doing and how they're doing it is is I think. Yes, it's easy to sort of like um, a kind of ignore the possibility because, well, you know, not everyone could do what Harley did. Not everyone could do what Wyatt Johnston, yada, yada, yada. And just accept the fact that, hey, maybe Dallas just happens to have some really good players, more really good players, and they would absolutely make a difference. And that's what I see because these aren't just talents. These are hardworking forwards. They play on both sides of special teams for those who don't know. And um, I even clipped, uh, I was going to put it on Twitter, but I, I think I was going to save it for the star stack, shameless plug, uh, where Stankoven gets behind on a play. Um, the Rockford, who the team they were playing tonight, because they were playing tonight, by the way, um, kind of almost like generates a two-on-one. And Stankoven just like within seconds has gone coast to coast to make a really just strong defensive effort. So these are complete players, territorial forwards, that are going to improve the team as soon as they uh, put on the victory green uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Which I anticipate might be next year. Damn I mean, it, I, no, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I want, I mean, I'd shake it up. I'd put Jamie Ben on that fourth line. And <laughs> I, I would bring up Bork and tank over and rock those guys and see what you got. I mean, I know it would totally flip the script of this team. But geez, I mean, that's a massive firepower. If those two guys are on a line together. Speedway, I, I realize you, there's a proper sort of order here and, and a sort of a role-playing um, organization at work. But since you mentioned Ben, and maybe this is something you already have on your notes, whatever, um, how do you like Ben on the power play, Gavin? 
Ah, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I just think his overall game, and I, I can appreciate Ben for what everything he's done. I, I just think this has gone back to a tough year. Um, you know, what we saw last year was really, really good, but um, I'm just not. You know, I mean, to me right now, and I hate to say it this way, you know, if he didn't have the C and he didn't have the tenure here and he was a guy coming in, I think he'd be on the fourth line. All right. Uh, do you want to have a philosophical discussion? Yes, please. Okay. So, um, and this is, well, I wouldn't call this like a philosophical, this is a discussion that, you know, plenty of the uh, sort of nerd and have been having for a long time. But so face-offs, like I, I realize it, um, they've always been a point of con- quote unquote contention for you know the analytics crowd and um i think i think for reasons that are misunderstood and i wrote about it at the at my sub stack which i think people should check out if you get a chance but yes so then on the power play so we they had one power play so the lone power play i think was an interesting example of kind of the way we interpret face-offs not so much like the value of course they have value but that first power play uh, which came like way late in the third period. Ben wins the faceoff. He gets behind the net and tries to catch Prochetkov, I guess like behind it and, and sort of, it was just really like a really like bad shot attempt. Carolina clears. And on his next possession, he can't handle the puck in the corner and they nearly lose possession and Carolina nearly clears. Now, if Duchesne is there instead, loses the faceoff, but then sets up a strong sequence on the follow-up entry, what would you rather have? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I gotta be honest with you. I I just don't. I just think offensively, it's just not there. But that's why they have him on the power. Like, if you look at his his faceoff numbers on the power play, he's one of the top faceoff players. I, I think last I checked, he was he was um, seventh uh, on faceoffs on the power play, um, and. And so, so there's there's a logic to what DeBoer and Spot are doing and why they're keeping him on the power play. To me, like, I just, I, I mean, I, like, as so much as I hate to, like, just kind of reduce this into, like, I don't care, but I don't care. And I think it's really a question of, like, what would you rather have, a guaranteed possession or a guaranteed threat? Yeah. I think with Duchesne, you get the latter. Um, and granted, I don't know what Duchesne's faceoff numbers are, but, I mean, this is a guy that played center for most of his career. It's not like he doesn't know how to take a faceoff. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and uh, I I do think you know I try to forget about the salary because I do think Jamie does bring value, and I'm not trying to like you know flare anything up. I, I just you know man, if if he could pull what he was doing last year, that would be absolutely amazing. But you're right, he does bring a lot of value in the face-off circle, and um, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, Jake Ottinger. Uh, since returning since the all-star break one goal two goals allowed and two goals allowed you know i mean if that that two is the magic number they're going to win a lot of games with jake ottinger uh really impressive performance uh tonight obviously everyone will look at that glove save um but i just think david since coming back from the all-star break i love his positioning i love his confidence right now it just it just seems like you know he's a completely different goaltender and i think we do have to keep in mind is he a goaltender that was needing time to heal from that injury as far as you know 
getting his getting his legs back, getting his positioning back, and that All Star break kind of helped because he got regular work during the All Star break. I want to go back to criticizing Jamie Ben. Okay, so like I was saying, no, I'm just kidding. Do it, do it. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I, it's it's. I I think you know just real one last thing about Jamie Ben, which is that I, I do think that for all of his faults, and he has many, especially defensively. I think his value. Um, kind of like in some ways, like I guess the way we talk about Andre, I do think Ben's value is really going to be measured in the playoffs. Like here's a player that, you know, is still, you know, once it gets more competitive and more physical, what is he going to offer? And if he could sort of offer that sort of kind of that psychopath sort of um, um, mentality that he's yes. capable of, assuming he doesn't cross the line, um, then, you know, I think that's 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 value because the playoffs are a Thunderdome. And and you want to like that, uh, you you want that in your team. But anyways, back to Andre. Um, I, I think I, I agree. Like I think Andre is is a player that I, I think he's. I mean, he was rightfully I think criticized even before the injury. Just wasn't playing that well. And um, I, you know, as I've always said, even when you look at the numbers like even your elite goaltenders will struggle to give you multiple years of, of quality. And so I think like, Hey, you know, if Odger has, if this is Odger's down year, so be it. That's just the nature of the, of the position. However, what I think is interesting is that he's been fantastic. As you said, I mean, it's been fantastic since the all-star break. And if he could somehow kind of buck that trend and, and sort of regain his form, then there's it's hard to imagine a whole lot stop in Dallas because as much as I've like criticized, you know, as much as we all criticize, like, oh man, this is, you know, this person on the blue line sucks and, and this person on the blue line needs to be traded and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's no, broadly speaking, they don't have weak links. Their depth is the envy of the league. Defensively, they still grade out as stopping shot quality as a group. And Ottinger really has been like the one thing, at least early in the season, kind of holding them back because, well, you know, he was just wasn't letting he was just letting in goals that he normally wouldn't. And so um, he to me, Ottinger is the biggest key. And if this is a sign of things to come, um, I'm not normally the optimist, but damn, am I optimistic about <laughs> Dallas if Ottinger is is yeah. one point. All right. Let me go back to Jamie Ben for a second. Um, (laughs) no, I did want to add your point about Jamie Ben is correct. And I should point out that there are roles for Mason Marchman's and Jamie Ben, you know, more than just points, um, bigger players create space and it's noticeable on the ice. And I, I know analytics are a massive part of the game, but you're right. As the, as the ring shrinks and as teams play heavy, Carolina is an extremely heavy team. You need players like Jamie Ben on the ice and you need bigger players. Otherwise you're going to get pushed around. Um, so uh, I did want to make that point. Cause I completely agree with you that he does bring some, you know, aspects to that you know will not show up on the uh, score sheet uh, per se but yeah i think this team goes as far as ottinger can go i did want to talk about and highlight the stars video staff i know that upon replay it did seem you know like oh clearly this goal will be um waved off but with just about 130 left in the game had the referees kept that as a goal 
And had the stars not challenged, because it's an interesting aspect, they challenge, they lose. Now it's a one goal game and, and Carolina goes on the power play. So I thought that was fascinating uh, upon replay clearly shows that it was uh, pushed in. Um, so that was, it was a fascinating call, you know, but at the same time, we have to understand what is it, David, you have about 45 seconds to a minute to really review it before making a decision. So, you know, good job by Pete DeBoer and the video staff. I also wonder too, like how much sometimes it maybe this is kind of like, maybe this is just dumb to say, but I do wonder how much certain reviews are prompted simply by gaining more information, at least in the regular season. Obviously nobody's going to like uh, roll the dice in the postseason, but um, as in how much of that video view, review was prompted by like, well, you know what, let's, let's find out exactly what <laughs> goaltender interference is because you can never be sure what exactly the rules are in the NHL. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it was, it was also kind of like, maybe I'm, this is another thing that where I'm kind of potentially out to lunch um, Andre didn't have control of the puck. And I thought maybe that would be the one thing kind of working against Dallas, which is that, well, if you didn't have control, to what extent, you know, this is all really theoretical in many ways. Like pretty much every goal review is, is kind of in some ways kind of an exercise in practical versus theoretical yeah. knowledge. But that to me was my question, which is if you did not have control, then how much of a difference does it really make that a player is kind of quote unquote pushing him in? I, I don't know, maybe right. I'm kind of like overthinking it, but like, I mean, maybe that was like too extreme of an example because you had two players just like shoving odd Ye leg into the net. But I felt as if we saw a large portion of the black puck at any point prior to the heavy push, I think it would have been ruled a goal, but you know, from the replays I saw, even though uh, to me that puck was in the pads and really did not free up until the heavy push happened. So, you know, that that's why I think like, you know, you know how sometimes you can see like half the puck, then I then I think it could be deemed, you know, puck was free. Let me also say, I just want to see more goals. So in my personal NHL, like that would have counted, uh, <laughs> but also like you also your ref should just blow the darn whistle. I mean, like, I, I don't, yes. like, if it's clear that, um, that, uh, that, that the goalie is in front of the puck, that it's not going to move past him unless you bring a bulldozer in, then just blow the damn whistle. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I 
absolutely agree. And, but, you know, he's, he's playing really well. He's playing with a lot of confidence and, you know, that's the Jake Ottinger that we, you know, want to see. There are going to be down games, of course, but I mean, you know, what I love about him is, is he takes it as a personal challenge against teams. Like for instance, when he goes to Boston, I mean, who knows how it's going to turn out, but the reality is he played at Boston university you know, so he is in front of a lot of people that know him. And that is a major challenge for Jake Ottinger. When he goes to Minnesota, he's playing in front of family. He loves the big moments. You know, he's not one of those guys that's going to, you know, be a chirper and talk a lot, but it's just, it's, it's really fascinating. And, and you know, he has confidence when he has the puck in his glove and, you know, they go to a break and he just drops it at the faceoff circle without saying anything. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, you can tell that the confidence of Jake Ottinger right now is really high. And uh, that's a, that's a really good sign uh, for this team. I do have, um, I do feel as though, you know, this team can be pushed around and that's going to be interesting. And that's the old school part of me, David, coming out that, you know, when a team Carolina is an example, I mean, but when they exert their physicality, um, you know, how much does that change and how much does that put the stars on their heels? That's it's an interesting question. I, I feel like the one thing that I would say is that I don't really to, to me, the question about physicality is always kind of, well, what does it add up to? Um, like, I, I think there are plenty of teams in the West that are extremely physical that um, that that sort of physicality doesn't add up to anything. It doesn't, like, create um, space. It doesn't help them generate anything on the rush. In terms of defense, it's not even necessarily a factor. Um, and so, to me, like, that's the real question. So, Vegas is a good example of a team that yeah. does leverage that physical where the physicality does add up because of not just because of the makeup of the blue line, but also because um, a lot of their sort of forwards and the way they play and the way they forecheck. Um, I look at a team like, say, for example, like Carolina, even to a lesser extent, Winnipeg, like are those teams that that you would argue are, you know, sort of teams that are going to kind of leverage their physicality over Dallas um, I wouldn't necessarily say so. And I don't think that's what Dallas is going to have to worry about going into the postseason. Um, you would still like to see like a certain element of it. I just, um, I, I think it's really going to be a question of, well, how are they going to handle teams that maybe not so much like leverage that physicality against them, but are game planning specifically for, hey, Harley Heiskanen, that's really the only blue line. We That's really the only defensive pair we got to worry about. Let's just send the torpedoes at those guys and, and sort of let, I mean, that to me is going to be, I think, I think the real test um, when teams are kind of strategizing for the kind of obvious weak points. Um, how does that manifest? Yeah, no, you, you're, you're right. You're right. All right. Before we go, two players, you know, stars first line, you know, had a good night. Rope Hints with a goal. Jason Robertson with a big goal. Um, but, you know, Rope Hints starting it off, it's just opportunities and the ability to have the calmness to kind of fake that slap shot and, and move just a little bit to open up the pad and then just throw it in between. 
uh, just just so much talent. And I just keep thinking to myself, like signing him to that long term deal. And boy, does that deal look really, really good right now for the stars. And he's just such an exciting and dynamic player to watch. And, um, you know, it's just game after game. He's having a one heck of a season. I think, you know, if you were to like for me, at least if you were to pick um, what players that are going to be like candidates for um con Smythe, if, if dallas makes a real run i would say they're really just two players there is jake ottinger and then there's hints yes um because and you know i, I think for heiskanen it's kind of more about sort of the way that harley's kind of figured into that sort of um the lineup so it's not, i'm not like sort of criticizing heiskanen in any way whatsoever just that hints is a player that <laughs> i mean this is we're talking about one of the best offenses in the league and the person that I think really sort of is at the wheel of that offense is Hints. And it's not just his offense, but also his defense. And it's it's also the fact that here we have a player that is a real red light performer. I mean, uh, last season, I mean, he uh, I mean, he was like leading the league in, in points in the play, in the postseason for <laughs> uh, for many games, even after like Dallas had been eliminated. Right. So. Um, so here's a player that's going to perform up to the level of what's needed to make history. In addition to the fact that he's one of the most essential positions and, and is really looking, I, in my opinion, like better than he's ever looked. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I mean, the fact that, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, knock on wood, he's staying healthy. That's amazing because that, that was one of the things was, and it, it wasn't like, you know, a repetitive injury. It was just, he was getting banged up and some bad luck at times. Um, so he's staying on the ice and, you know, it, it really is uh, good to see as far as Robertson, a big goal tonight is 18th of the year. And, you know, it's an interesting season because I think coming off of last season, I think, you know, any, you know, people are going to be disappointed because like, where are all the goals? But I mean, you look at it, 53 games played 54 points. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like so one of the things that that I've been fascinated by is looking at uh shift to shift data and how Robertson grades defensively. Now, I'm not going to say anything about like whether or not I think Robertson has a real chance of winning a Selkie this season right or, or even next season. However, what I would say is that if Robertson has sacrificed 20 points in this particular case, right? Cuz he's on pace for like a point per game player, 82 points last season over 100. If Robertson is going to be an elite defensive forward and give you 80 points a season instead of 100 points and mediocre defense, I'm going to take this version. Assuming Robertson is what some of the like the the shift the shift data is is kind of saying. Assuming he's that, I'll I will take that trade off every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think defensively he certainly puts in the effort, and that is certainly you know, always appreciated. And you can tell that, you know, he's a two-way player, you know, similar to Tyler Sagan, who was just a, you know, offensive player and really under Hitchcock kind of, you know, blossomed as a, as a two-way player. So it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really, really, you know, good to see. So one of the few players that blossomed under Hitchcock, <laughs> I would actually say John Klingberg actually somewhat did too. That's, that's as, fair, fair point. 
I thought, I thought his, uh, <laughs> I thought his defensive game uh, was, uh, was better. <laughs> but by the way, I, I think you are right. And you're probably right about a lot of players. Like, it's just, you give me PTSD when you talk about like Hitchcock. Cause that, that season was like yeah. miserable for me. Like I hate that was more than anything. I, I think even more. Yeah. In terms of all the stars, cause I've been, except for the first two, like I started watching in 97 or whatever. Um, that was the, my least favorite season like ever as a Stars yeah. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fascinating because I mean, clearly this team has a lot of talent, but I was thinking about it the other day and I'm so glad you brought up Hitchcock because it did remind me of <laughs> what I was thinking of is Pete DeBoer as a coach. I mean, this is a guy who's kind of, I don't want to use the term journeyman, but he's on spent several teams, New Jersey, Florida, Vegas. Um, and now here, am I missing any stops? No, that was it, right? San Jose, Jersey, Vegas. Oh, yeah, San Jose. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when when you look so far and granted playoffs are ultimately determining, you know, a head coach's future. But I mean, it has been impressive and it does seem as though um, players come here and they thrive under his system. When you look at Dodonov, when you look at Duchesne, uh, I think Sagan's played really well in this system. Uh, and, you know. You're right. Duchesne has a lot to do with Sagan and Marchment, but at the same time, you know, the, these, uh, a lot of these players, um, you know, seem to thrive under this DeBoer uh, system. So I wanted to get your grade on DeBoer, you know, thus far and, you know, his use of players and, and what, what were your thoughts? I think, you know, that's a really like great point. I I feel like there's a whole episode just on DeBoer alone, because I, I think we don't talk enough about him especially for like, you know, just uh, especially for amateurs like me who like the only thing we ever have to say about DeBoer is like, oh, you scratch Nils Lundqvist, what's the problem? <laughs> Scratching Delandria? Yeah, 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 so what's, yeah. what's wrong with you, dude? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think like DeBoer, I don't know if you ever uh, watched or read any content from the coach's site. No. He, so he, he's been on a couple of times. It's like a pretty good um uh, you know, pretty good, like, uh, source of information, especially for people that are just kind of interested in sort of what coaches have to say and, and kind of how they run teams and that sort of tactical stuff every now and then. Um, and I think the thing with DeBoer and the reason why, like, him and even someone like Tortorella, uh, kind of what he's doing in, like, Philly right now, have sort of been able to do what they do is that it's, like, it's it's the thing that uh, the uh, soccer icon, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um kind of once said which is that um uh you know players are too important like you know it's 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 sort of or the game is too important to be left up to the coaches it's really all about the players and DeBoer has kind of uh commented you know in several interviews and several times about the importance of structuring your system towards the roster and really letting your roster kind of dictate how you approach like strategically structurally tactically uh the way sort of the game is played um to really kind of maximize that comfort level and i think he's done a really good job of kind of finding this sort of unique balance of yes they're a responsible team but in terms of attack like you know how are we gonna what kind of attack is going to maximize the depth we have and and sort of the emphasis on on the rush the sort of the the chip-ins along the boards i mean these are things 
on zone entries, at least not, not Lindell and Hockenpah ribbing the puck along the boards. But I think that, that, that sort of approach is where DeBoer deserves a lot of credit. Um, and, and also the, the way that he's really kind of maximized the depth. I mean, we can be pretty certain what the lines would look like if say, you know, some of the other previous coaches were more, the more defensive oriented coaches were in control of, if they were in control of this roster. Um, and it probably wouldn't look anything like the Boer system. And I think that's because he recognizes that, well, what's our strength? The forward depth. So how do we yeah. maximize that? Well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And finally, Mr. Castillo didn't know if you saw the news that came out tonight. 36 year old Phil Kessel will be working out this week in Abbotsford, British Columbia, home of the Vancouver Canucks American Hockey League affiliate. And there is some familiarity with Vancouver head coach Rick Tockett, who was an assistant with the Pens when Phil Kessel was with the Pens on their two Stanley Cup runs. So something to keep an eye on. And I, I am surprised that <laughs> Phil Kessel has not been with the team. He had 36 points last year, and I know Phil Kessel is kind of a a lot of people make jokes about Phil Kessel and stuff like that, but come trade deadline, it might be a reasonable piece to add. I'm not saying to the stars. I'm just saying in general to another team. I mean, obviously a heck of a career for, you know, and a long career for, for Kessel, but you know, still trying to get one more run in them. Who makes fun of Phil Kessel, Gavin? That's what I want to know. <laughs> hey, that's Tell the Iron who. Man you're making fun of. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would never say like a bad word about Phil Kessel. I, um, I really like him. Certain Toronto writers might say something bad about Phil Kessel, but certainly not anybody rational. Yeah, and I, I think that um, I, like he he's definitely not a player that yeah it would make to me he's not a player that would make sense for Vancouver either. Um, if anything, like that sounds like if Vancouver is truly interested in Phil Kessel, I think that says a lot about the sort of the very low key delusion they have about their chances this year, which is not necessarily to dog on the Canucks. I think their team that it's easy to like, look at their shooting percentage and their save percentage and say like, Hey, this is a lucky team and, and overlook um, really like the, the roster depth, how unique they're structured, especially with a lot of like two way forwards that play up in the top six. But I, I do think like if they ever thought about that, that would just be, kind of a classic case of like overestimating your your ability and sort of adding a guy just to add a guy because well he has a resume and name value as opposed to you know like what kind of player he is at this point because i, I wouldn't like our vancouver that's i wouldn't mess they have decent enough depth like if you bring in phil kessel and you knock out like nils holander for example that's you're just making an idiotic move that's yeah that's just an error of just <laughs> extreme proportion uh, I'm a big fan of the the, the player, by the way, um, and um, so yeah, like it, I would love for them to kind of screw up because that lessens the the chances that they have a fully maximized roster if Dallas would see them in the playoffs. Um, but um, yeah, I would hope that's not the case, or maybe I would. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Washington Capitals tonight, six to three. So as we stand right now. Stars remain in first place, two points up on Colorado, uh, some distance between them and Winnipeg, uh, five points, in fact, between first and third. So Stars certainly creating um, some distance. 
seven, two, and one in their last 10. Winners of two in a row, meaning the Dallas Stars. I love this aspect, David. The split 17, eight, and two at home, eight, uh, 16, six, and four uh, away. Pretty even split, which is always a sign of a decent team. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice that um, that also it helps that Winnipeg is in a little bit of a free fall. You know, yeah. this is um, I, I think for especially for Stars fans that uh, I don't want to say endured the bonus years, right? That sounds like a slight against bonus. You know, we can we can move past that already. But I, I think there is something to like the way um, the way that system kind of taxes players that that I think you're seeing a little bit of that in Winnipeg, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, I feel like this is now. OK, so I think the real question is, well, how much do you want to see? Like if Dallas ends up first in the central, it's great. Home, home ice advantage, yada, yada, yada. But man, like it, it, I think people think I'm out to lunch and I probably am. I still fear, fear L.A. I would hate for that to be a first round matchup. Yes. Don't like Dallas. that matchup. More so than Dallas versus Winnipeg, because I, I think. I think Dallas like matches up reasonably well with Winnipeg overall. It would be a really, really difficult series. Don't get me wrong, but um, I would absolutely like, whereas like Dallas and LA, LA just, you have veterans like Kopitar and Dowdy and they got nothing to lose. Eighth seed. No, I don't want to see them at all. No, I I agree with you. Um, Would love for St. Louis to slip in because I think that's a good matchup for the stars. I agree with you. I think they'd, I, I would rather play Winnipeg. Um, as I mentioned, this Thursday is a really good test. Do not discount Nashville. They're looking on the outside right now at 56 points, two points out of a wild card spot. But I just feel as though in the two games that they've played, I felt as though they've played the stars really well. I think they've outplayed them in two games. So, uh, interested to see how, you know, Nashville and the stars face off in Nashville, uh, on Thursday, but you're right. I mean, I look at, you know, the matchups and, and I think St. Louis is favorable, but yeah, LA does scare me. I mean, the West is a, a a beast conference to get through, you know, as is. I mean, you look at the top three in the Pacific: Vancouver, Vegas, and Edmonton. You know, that's a wow. I mean, a first round matchup between Vegas and Edmonton—that's uh, pretty juicy. So it's a uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to uh, watch. All right, let's promote once again the Substack where people can find your great information that you put out. Uh, let us know what that is. And would you agree that goal differential? Do you like that as an analytic? I, I think sort of at the level of the, of the teams, I think it's instructive, um, but it wouldn't be what I would personally kind of look at as, especially when I'm looking at like a single metric. And, and I think that's what like we need to think of numbers as, which is kind of like a sort of heuristics, right? This is just kind of a shortcut for us to better contextualize uh, performance. So goal differential, I'm looking at like team level. Sure. I would prefer to look at even strength goal differential at the team level, but nonetheless, goal differential, fine. I don't know if I'm turning this into like a nerdy discussion. No, I'm just you know, trying to just find like Gavin Spittle analytic that David Castillo likes. <laughs> but at the, at the individual level, no, don't ever use it. Don't just don't, Gavin. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't. <laughs> Oh, all right. No more goal differential. No more plus minus. I'm running out of analytics to use. <laughs> my Speak old... my language and start talking about regression analysis and uh, 
pop up, you know, let's make this visual. Let's show them some histograms, the kind of things that would get you more followers. Hey, I, you know what? I, this is what I say. And Sean and I <laughs> talked about this and I was very candid with him. And I will say the same thing to you. I would love to do a podcast where I just ask simple questions and you guys tell me, because I think it's important for stars fans and NHL fans, you know, to know from the people who cover the team, like yourself, like Sean, like Robert, um, as far as what analytics you like best. So therefore the stars can start to search for those analytics, you know, and find them because I think the toughest thing for analytics, just being honest, I remember listening on the radio to a financial advisor and rather than explain some of the funds that he was throwing out, he was just basically saying, you know, you need to go here. You need to go. You need to do this. You need to do this. And I just felt as though I felt a little defeated because I didn't know what those were. And I felt as though I was being talked down to and not that you guys do. But I do think there's an education level necessary. Heck, there's still an education level necessary of baseball because still people are looking at batting average and, you know, RBI. And, you know, I think that's been one of baseball's problems because we all grew up like looking at these basic analytics and now new analytics come in and it's like, well, you know, I mean, the guy's batting 220. So, I mean, we revert back to average. So I would like to do a show in the future as I end my rant on, you know, David and Sean and others, you know, telling the stars listeners what analytics they really enjoy as far as how it affects the game. You know, like I, I would, I would love to love that episode. And I, I think just real quick, just, I know like, you know, we're nearing sort of the time and everything like that. Like, I, I don't really think of analytics as these kind of, yes, the, they're based around math, mathematical models, at least most of the, most of the high level ones, but ultimately it's just about language. Ultimately it's about sort of, you know, what is it that like allows us to kind of speak more intelligently or just or just more accurately about what we're seeing? You know, we, I think of like it's important to remember that this whole like this whole thing, you know, for example, like Corsi 4, which is just shot attempts started because, hey, you know, that that journeyman Anton Strawman, I think he's better than we think he is. Right. It wasn't about like a Betchkin or Crosby and like, you know, looking at like deeper. No, no, it was about like. Why is this journeyman dude like who's bounced around the league? Um, why does it seem like he's a lot better than we assume? And is he better than we assume? And so I think that's kind of really like the the value, which has kind of given us um, you know more accurate ways, and especially about depth players. Like you know, we can all easily measure the value of a Robertson or mm -hmm. a Hits, but how do you value players that don't get a lot of ice time? Players that maybe if we're given more ice time would perhaps give you a lot more production. You know, that's that I, that I think is, these are the interesting discussions that, that I think numbers kind of help, help us, help us ask more questions. Man, I'm so you, glad. I'm so <laughs> glad you said that about my man, Ryan Reeves, given more ice time, <laughs> he would produce better. <laughs> uh, I was worried that you were going to ask me about the Riley Grigg in incident, because that was like, a whole, that's a whole episode. <laughs> you're definitely not going to talk about that right now but yeah I no i i hear <laughs> how insane reuse is for replying 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you. And it was, I, I will tell you this, when Toronto played Dallas and, you know, I was talking with Luds the next day, I'm like, I don't want to bring up that Ryan Reeves line, but that line really did affect like that game. Like they came out and played really well. And so when I asked him, and he's like, you know why they played so much? I'm like, yeah, because they were affecting the game. He's like, no, because the other three lines sucked. And I was like, that's why I love you, Lutz. That give me the NHL perspective, you know? Uh, so uh, it is, uh, it's, it's fascinating, man. I really enjoy these conversations with you, my friend. And people should engage with you at Stars Stack, right? Yes, I enjoy that. Like, instead of looking at my ugly mug, you get to see Julius Honka's face. People Everyone don't know that. <laughs> People don't know that. No, but that is what's going on behind the scenes. It's just yeah, with behind the scenes, behind the scenes, best stars player ever. Yeah. <laughs> and and people don't know so we do a video stream and i'm currently on video and david is not however when i first started working with david <laughs> you're gonna tell them oh man. yeah of course i'm gonna tell you know i mean why not just let it all fly and i we're doing a post game and i'm thinking to myself my god david looks a lot like Julius honka <laughs> And sure enough, it was a picture of Julius Honka, who we both thought was going to be really good, by the way. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, hey, forget about it. Let's let's just go there. I think he would be, I think he still is an initial quality defenseman. I will die on a hill. <laughs> Doesn't mean I think he's a top four defender, just that there are plenty of teams with absolute trash defensemen on their depth. I don't think Honka was trash. I think he was a flawed defenseman, but I'll die on that hill. I mean. Uh, I, in fact, I would say that if Dallas hadn't all drafted blue line right now, Alexiak, uh, Klingberg, Lindell, Harley, Heiskanen, Honka, I think that's a solid blue line. All right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I went on that bandwagon hard. I'm currently pulling up his stats. Um, apparently this year he's in the Swiss League. Uh, and... Currently, he's been with two teams. He's on loan with Genève Servette HC. Uh, 18 games, two goals, seven assists, nine points. And prior to that, he was on SC Burn, 22 games, three goals, seven assists, 10 points. So I know people will scoff at what you just said. Can we just point out Raffle is also in the Swiss League? And you know, this was a guy playing more even strength minutes than hints in that Calgary series. So just saying. No, I mean, listen, our own Liam Bixel is in the Euro League. So nothing wrong with the Euro Leagues. I think that's another, you know, thing to talk about is how world hockey has improved. There are so many good leagues out there right now, which is great for players because they get opportunities that they might. And there's a lot of money to be made playing overseas. So, all right, David. So people can find you at Starstack at David Castillo on Twitter. He's a beast as well as when he writes for D magazine. So when he does write and you see an article by David Castillo, and I usually retweet it, just click, 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 click to show the editors that people like David, people like Robert Tiffin, people like Sean Shapiro deserve to be recognized and big stick tap to uh, D magazine for allowing these guys to write and for some great stars coverage. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate you staying up late and uh, we will uh, talk to you again soon. 
Thank you for being a quality hype man. <laughs> As always, listen, the train keeps going, folks. We have a lot of podcasts to bring you this week. We'll be on uh, Thursday uh, with Luds will join me. And then Thursday night, we'll do a uh, post game. And Friday, we're looking at Sean Shapiro. And Saturday, we'll do a post game uh, following Edmonton. So it's going to be a, a busy week. And I'm excited to tell you about the upcoming interviews that we're landing on Spits and Suds. So really excited as this train keeps rolling through February. And thank you so much for listening to the Spits and Suds Victory Post Game Edition as the Stars beat the Carolina Hurricanes. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, everyone.